Until next. It's fun, Matt. I know this is a rare occasion for me to be up here because I'm really not good at it. Um, I was having a memory of that song, though. I had a roommate once who thought that it was a Thanksgiving song, saying, Up from the Gravy and the Rolls. Oh, fun. fun. That's awesome. I love it. So, I'm just going to share, and she's going to speak up for communion today. Um, so just be patient, like I said before. I am definitely not good at this stuff. Um, my place in my phone. But um, that was such a great welcome, um, Ryan, because I felt like it just fed in sort of what I was thinking and, and wanted to share today, and that was that God really does have a, a purpose for us. But there are times in our life that can be extremely challenging, and I would say that probably over the last month, I've had some really, really challenging times. And I won't get into the details of those. If you want to find out, you can talk to me afterwards. But I don't know if you guys have ever gotten to that place in your life where you're like, I'm done. Yeah. You know, beat me up right now, God. I'm ready to go. Where you just feel like, I can't take it anymore. And I, I, I'm just ready. I'm ready to go with God. And I knew God knew I was feeling that because... I came across this um, during my Bible study yesterday morning. It was a scripture, and it's about Elijah. Um, and I won't get into the technical background. We'll leave that for Peter. Um, <laughs> he's really good at that. But um, I just want to just more share the spirit of it. But this is about Elijah. And it is Second Kings, or sorry, First Kings 19, starts in verse 4. And it says, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, take my life. And I can just see him, right? I've had enough, take my life now. I can't do this anymore. And normally when we, we get to this point, or at least I do, I can start feeling like, man, I'm not tough enough. I'm not strong enough. You know, like, how come I can't deal with this? Like, you're an adult. You know, you're educated. You, you've you raised three kids. Like, really? You can't deal with this? And everybody's thing that brings them to that point seems to be different. Um, but I think all of us have probably felt that at some point. And what really just struck me was how God responded to him when he was just in that point where he was like, I just really don't want to do this anymore. Um so keep reading here. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. He was definitely depressed. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some baked bread over some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel came back. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And I just was really moved by the heart of God that when we're in those moments where we just feel like, man, I don't want to do this anymore, I'm done. God doesn't look at us and stain and be like, you're so weak. Can you deal with that? You know, but he takes care of us. He gives us food. He says, you need to rest. I can see that this is too much for you. Let me take care of you. Um, and then so he's going to share that. Thank you, Brenda. So 
When Brenda shared her time in the Bible uh, yesterday with me, I, I thought, well, how can we, how does that relate to communion? How does that relate to Jesus? And, you know, in, in that story of Elijah, an angel, God sends an angel to wake Elijah up. And I think it's kind of funny, like, Elijah goes to sleep and it says immediately the angel taps on his shoulder, like, wake up <laughs> and eat. Um, but I, I thought of Luke 22, and that's the story of, of Jesus praying on the Mount of Olives, or Gethsemane. And in, in this story, God also sends an angel to Jesus. And if you read here in verse 39, it says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And as he said those words, the Bible says the soldiers came into the garden to arrest Jesus. But as I read that, and I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about what Brenda shared about Elijah in 1 Kings, there's some differences there in the story. Um, and the differences that I saw kind of speak to the difference between us, men and women, and Jesus. In the story of Elijah, it's so when you read it, it's so clear that Elijah, even though he was a great prophet and man of God and amazing, he was a man. A man with real feelings, real depression, real sorrow, and I, I can't do this anymore. And when you're reading the story of Jesus, you get that same feeling, like Jesus is a man. But in some ways, it, it, Jesus was the perfect combination of a man and human and God, which always blows my mind when I read it. It's like he's faced with temptations that we have, but he responds in a godly way. And some of the differences I saw, you know, if, if you think back to what Brenda read in 1 Kings, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life, it says. That's, that's how we as humans usually, you know, many times respond to fear, especially great fear. We run, right? In Luke 22, though, it says Jesus was afraid and walked resolutely, resolutely towards the danger. He didn't run. And he also walked into that garden to, to pray and to talk to God. He didn't fall asleep. All his guys around him were falling asleep. Jesus didn't fall asleep. He, he, he knelt down and prayed to his God, God, if there's any other way, but I, I love those eight words he says at the end of that. He says, but yet not my will, but yours be done. 
Imagine if most people, imagine if all the people in the world said those words every day. Yet not my will, but yours be done. What a different world would we would live in. I love to think about that. The second thing that kind of hit me is, is in 1 Kings, you see Elijah isolates himself in his depression from others. He, he tells his servant to stay, and he goes a day away all by himself. And that's what we do when we're depressed, don't, don't, don't you? Like, I do. You know, I stay in my bed a little bit longer. I don't talk to as many people as maybe I usually do. Um, I, I want to be off by myself in my depression, and it doesn't help. Jesus kept his closest to him. He did say stay here, but it was. It's, Luke says it's within a stone's throw. So his guys were, you know, that distance away, close to him. And I love how Jesus did that. He knew he needed these guys, and he knew they needed him, right? The third thing was Elijah's prayer shows that he was depressed and afraid and wanted, wanted permanent escape, death, for all this to be over, permanently, you know, death, no mention of God's will, plan, or desire. Elijah was all about himself, like, God, just take me now. I can't do this anymore. Sometimes we feel like that in life, like Brenda said, um, during the hard times. And Jesus' example, in contrast, he knows the task before him. He knows he's going to the cross because he told, he's told his guys, I'm going to the cross, I'm going to die. He knows what's coming. But his, his, he says those eight words. He, says, he, he does say, God, if there's any other way, you see his humanity in that. But then he says those eight words, yet not my will, but yours be done. He's concerned about God's will. And the fourth thing uh, about the angel, Elijah is visited by an angel who urges him to get up and eat, right? A meal miraculously appears before him and he eats and he's strengthened. That's what Elijah needed and God sent that through the angel. But you see in Luke, an angel appears to Jesus and it says he, it strengthens him. There's no mention of a meal. Jesus just ate the last supper. He didn't sure didn't need a meal. That wasn't the issue. But it says the angel strengthened Jesus. And it's interesting to read. You know, you think this isn't like a Disney movie where the angel appears and bam, you're strengthened and Jesus just hops up and like, let's do this. <laughs> right? It's the next sentence after that in 44, which I think is so revealing. And being in anguish. That word, let me see here, is angonia in Greek and is used of someone fighting a battle with sheer fear. To me, that I read that and it just moves my soul. I mean, I get emotional, like, oh my gosh, sheer fear. That's what Jesus was fa facing after he was strengthened. So how was he strengthened? you got to wonder that. How, what, what strength did he need? And I think right after that is the answer. He prayed more earnestly. 
He got on his knees. He was feeling the fear we all fear, but he got on his knees. And he prayed so earnestly that drops of blood, his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And that's actually a medical condition. You know, years, you know, thousands of years ago or whatever, they they didn't know about that. So people would read the Bible after the Bible was written and they'd go, that, that's impossible. What are they talking about? But now there's medical findings. They found people that have been so emotionally distraught that they've sweat blood. It's very rare. I think the word is hemostridosis. Um, but that's what Jesus went through for us. And, and this morning is Easter. This morning is about Jesus rising from the dead. And I was thinking about this. They came, they arrested Jesus, they tortured Jesus, they ridiculed, mocked him, they put him on a cross, they hung him up there to die. And I was just thinking about Jesus on the cross, and in John it says his last words were, it is finished. It is finished. And I imagine those around the cross looking up at him, some of them mocking him, some of them just waiting, like looking at the entertainment of it, maybe. Heard those words, it is finished. And it says, Jesus bowed his head, closed his eyes. And they're, what would you assume if you heard that from someone? And then they died. You would think, he's talking about his life. His life is finished. It's over. But the great thing about Easter is those people were mistaken. It wasn't finished. Right? It wasn't finished at all. Jesus was talking about the penalty for sin, our sin, that he had to pay. He paid that price. And that's what was finished. And he bowed his head, closed his eyes, and died. But three days later, the women went to the tomb, and it was empty. And that's what we're celebrating this morning. And I imagine those women going back to the men and being like, the tomb's empty, it's Jesus isn't there. And some of, you know, some of them were like, what? Some of them were like, someone stole his body? I don't know what they were thinking, but soon after they saw Jesus himself. And that's what we're celebrating today. Today's a day of celebration. Today's a day of gratitude. Uh, our, yes, our, the Messiah has risen. And that's what we're celebrating today. So as you take communion this morning... Think about that fact, you know, what Brenda shared and how God is looking out for us and meeting our needs, comforting us, but also and how he did that for Jesus. He, he gave Jesus what he needed in that moment, but also the, the amazing story about how Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. Amen. So let's take communion. Father God, thank you so much for Easter. Thank you that Jesus rose from the dead, God. If he didn't raise from the dead, uh, the story would be over. We, we wouldn't be here this morning talking about him, uh, talking probably talking about you, Father. We um, are just so thankful for that fact. And um, I, I thank you that we could be in a church that, that follows your word, that follows Jesus, um, that that believes that he did raise from the dead. And not only that, that he is alive and still alive and speaks to us in our hearts and our minds and our souls each and every day and that we can walk with him and follow him even now, 2,000 years later, God. 
I just thank you for this time where we take the bread and uh, the juice and, and I pray that we remember his, his body and blood and the sacrifice he made and how he rose from the dead. Amen.